Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. Hallelujah. Father, we love you with all our heart. Soul, mind, and strength. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that each one of us here hears your voice. We hear what you're saying to our hearts individually. And Lord, we just yield ourselves right now to be transformed by the power of your word. That your word would instruct us, uh, not just tonight, but continually. Your word would constantly be in our minds and our hearts, and your word would instruct us and grow us and change us. You all agree? Yes. Amen? All right, well, let's get into this. Um, uh, as, as I started into, you know, praying for this earlier this week, I was um, thinking about modeling the Father's heart, uh, modeling the Father's love to our children, okay? And that then applies to any area of your life because all of us are called to model the Father's love and to represent him accurately. I do believe that when people come to church, they're looking for one person, Jesus. And if they find him, they'll probably stay. If they don't, they'll probably leave. And sad thing is, in most churches, or in a, quite a few churches, he's not there. <laughs> you know, because nobody's there representing him or letting him shine through them. Well, we all have a responsibility to let God shine through us. Let the Father's love and let the Father's heart shine through us. Um, uh, I was just writing in my journal, and here I had this, all these opportunities out there in Isla Vista. And um, so then I get back and, you know, the Lord, I'm just talking to the Lord. I think this was today. Yes, it was this morning. Um, and uh, the Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, son, thank you for distributing my goodness, my love, my wisdom, and my character. He said, thank you for representing me well. He said, it is essential that people see a man walking in my love, my power, my compassion, and my wisdom. For them to never see that would say to them that it doesn't exist. Therefore, they could never become familiar with the Father. Does that make sense to you? You gather that? Let me just read that last portion again. He said, it is essential that people see a man walk, or man or woman walking in my love, my power, my compassion, and my wisdom. For them to never see that would say to them that it doesn't exist. Therefore, they could never become familiar with the Father. Well, we want people to become familiar with the Father. We want them to know him, love him, respect him, honor him, receive him, and receive all the blessings of what he truly is. Because the same wall that is built to protect a person from their earthly father, think about this, 
the same wall that a person has built to protect themselves from their earthly father is the same wall that can keep their heavenly father out. Does that make sense? They have these built up um, protective mechanisms. We all have these, everybody has these protective mechanisms that are built up in our hearts to stop any influence or pain from coming from a negative source. So we build up walls and that's a good idea to have walls because there's some people you want to have a wall with. <laughs> some people you need to keep at arm's length or a hundred arms length, <laughs> right? You gotta just keep them away. <laughs> We're gonna keep that, keep that one away from the kids, you know? <laughs> there was a woman who came to our old church and Nancy's like, we need to stay away from that woman. We need to stay away from that woman. She said, watch out for that. She kept telling me, watch out for that woman. She told the church elders, watch out for this woman. And then, after all was said and done, we found out this woman had hired a hitman against her husband. <laughs> and she did time. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. But... Uh, there are some people that you need to have protective mechanisms built up in your heart. So it's not sinful to have these defense mechanisms in you. That's not wrong. However, when you build one, it stays. And then it can make you untouchable by others who have no ill intent. So therefore, you, you meet somebody and they've got complete complete walls and, and you, they're no, they are nowhere to be found. You remember I talked to you about, you know, the one key to parenting is where you, have an, you obtain and maintain an open heart relationship with your child, that your heart's open to them and their heart's open to you. If you maintain that, you won't lose your child. So watch out, make sure your heart's always open to your child and if their heart's not open to you, find out why and do what you gotta do to retrieve that relationship. The same thing can happen. I was working this one job and me and the boss would talk about 15 hours a week normally. And then somebody started spreading some stuff about me through the company and all of a sudden the boss's heart just, just closed on me and we went to talking about 15 minutes a week. He shut down on me completely extraordinarily painful, extraordinarily, extraordinarily painful. So uh, when somebody's heart's closed to you, that's loneliness. That is loneliness. Now we don't want that type of recipe in our home. Uh, we wanna keep open hearts with each other. Um, so, but, um, and, and the child does have a responsibility in that, and you can teach that into their hearts at the proper time. However, we need personal transformation. We've got to grow up. You know what that means? <laughs> that our maturity, our, our behavior would actually be more like an adult, uh, more like Christ. Um, we need to all grow up. There's all, there's, every one of us has a place in us where we fall short of the glory of God, okay? 
But that doesn't mean we're going to hell. It just means we're bringing hell to others. Does that make sense? Okay. So when you are acting as less than the Father, then you literally are transmitting hell. You're, you're polluting your home with hell. Uh, when, you're, when you're giving them a piece of your mind, which, by the way, you can't spare, um, <laughs> you are bringing hell into the home because it for sure is not heaven. And it smells like hell, too. Capiche? So um, we need to represent the Father. Pastors need to represent the Father. Christians need to represent the Father. I would tell my children before they leave the home uh, or before we, you know, let them go somewhere, you know, how are you going to, give me a, give me an update. How are you going to act when you go there? Well, I'm going to, uh, or, or, you know, who do you represent? Well, I represent, I represent God. Yes, you do. You represent the family, you represent yourself. So do you know what causes racism? Negative behavior. And then whatever classification you fall in, people think everybody who's like you is that nasty. You understand that? That's how racism comes about. That's one of the ways racism comes about. It's like, um, you know, some people are racist against Jews. Well, uh, my father had a real problem with Jews because his boss was a Jew and got him fired. He wasn't too pleased with that. And uh, there were several other reasons that he was, had a distaste for Jewish people. And, um, but I was always taught, hey, listen, the scriptures, <laughs> you know, to love, you know, love Israel and I'm all for it. And then I was in a parking lot trying to get my car out of the parking lot and asked this one guy if he could just pull forward just like, like a little bit. And when I asked him to pull forward, he said no. And he said it with a Jewish accent. <laughs> and I thought, okay, now what do I do? <clears throat> we have a responsibility to be transformed ourselves. As much as we want to work on getting our children to obey and you know, like when, when Nancy and I learned about first-time obedience, we thought, what kind of fairy tale is that? <laughs> you know? And then after we were taking the class and we did what they said and found out that this was a reality and this was possible, it was, it's kind of like you died and gone to heaven. It's like you're walking streets of gold. When you, when you say, tell your kids to do something, they say, yes, dad. And then they do it. It's like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. Well, that can be reality. It's really just the kids. It's not the kids who have a problem with first-time obedience. It's the parents who have a problem with first-time obedience. So, but just as much as we want our children's hearts to be transformed, we want them to, you know, like the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And we want them to get their behavior to line up with what you see in the scriptures, right? We're trying to get our children to line up their behavior with what we see in the scripture. Isn't that what, you know, that's true about child raising. Well, the problem is they will imitate you more than they learn from you. 
And so when they are imitating you, then you better be a really great example. And so in order for you to be a really great example, you're not going to get there by just trying. Please hear me on this. You cannot get there by just trying to be a good person. Let me guarantee you, you will fall short, okay? You cannot get there by trying. Okay, now I'm going to try really hard, and and next, boy, I blew it. Ah, Man, I blew it. Hey, child, I'm sorry. Okay, next time, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to scream at my child. I'm not going to throw a plate at them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever it is, whatever your pet sin is, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do this. And then you try harder, and then you blow it again. That road does not get you. Trying harder does not get you there. Has anybody else found that to be true? That just trying harder, you can't get there. That road doesn't lead there. (laughs) It doesn't lead to the transformed life. It doesn't lead to the image of Christ that we all wish we walked in and that we, um, we wish our kids had a better example before them, but we're not willing to leave, right? <laughs> Jimmy, we want to be here and we want to be the example, but then we keep falling short. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we be transformed? Well, let me just say a couple more words. Um, legalism, before I get into the scripture, but legalism is where we insist that our children abide by a certain standard of behavior, but we ourselves are not willing to bring ourselves to that same standard. That's what legalism is. And it's also, another word for that is hypocrisy. Okay? Uh, Hypocrisy is where um, you tell them to do something, but you don't walk in that. You tell them to be kind to their sibling yet you're not kind to them. And so they're modeling behavior. They're learning their behavior from you. Oh, bummer. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And more is caught than taught. You can teach them all day long, but if you aren't modeling it, they don't have a good example to follow. So this is where, and, and the thing about it is, especially when they start getting older, Children can sniff out hypocrisy in a split second. And that's where rebellion will kick up immediately. They're like, oh, really? I mean, they'll, they'll just bring it right back up to you. You're telling me to do this and you're not, and, and, and it's obvious you're not doing this? How, do you believe in this standard or do you not believe in this standard? Your child might say. If you do believe in the standard, why aren't you doing it? When are you going to walk in this kind of love and yieldedness and submission and, and uh, uh, you know, children obey your parents and aren't you a child of God? <laughs> when are you going to obey him? Oh, don't talk to me like that. Oh, really? You, you, you want to defend that posture? If you want to defend that posture, let me just tell you now, you already lost. You try to hold them to a standard that you're not willing You've already lost the battle. 
we as parents and as just Christians, we personally need to be transformed. But how are we going to be transformed when we're trying as hard as we can and we're failing consistently? We fail consistently. We don't fail just sometimes. No, we're good at failing regularly. I mean, it's like we blow it all the time. And then, and, and actually, I feel sorry for you if you start succeeding in just trying harder because that's not the method. Okay, that's not the method. There is a method to be transformed, but trying harder is not it. But guess what? I was raised thinking that. And so getting that out of my head is really, really valuable and important. But it comes from our understanding of our salvation. You have to understand that you can't be good enough to go to heaven. Now, being raised in uh, the Roman Catholic Church, I thought, well, yeah, hey, you gotta be good enough. You just gotta keep trying. You just gotta get better and better, you know, and make sure you wear your scapular before, you know, when you're dying, in case you, <laughs> you know, a little thing that you had to wear, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, or make sure you did an, a certain number of First Friday Masses so that you could, you could go to heaven. No, you can't add anything to the salvation that Jesus performed for you. You can't. You cannot. You're not able. You're not good enough. As a matter of fact, it has a certain stench to it. It has a certain stench to it in God's nostrils. He said, your self-righteousness is like filthy rags. Okay? Now, um, Praise the Lord. When you try to do your acts of righteousness, one guy said, he said, don't ever try to do anything for the Lord. Did y'all hear that? Don't ever try to do anything for the Lord. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this project, you know, I'm gonna go raise a million dollars and give it to orphanages and Oh, really? You're trying to do something for the Lord? Why? Uh, maybe so he'll like me more. <laughs> no. How much God likes you depends completely on Jesus. And you're believing in him. So what is the work that we're supposed to do? The work we're supposed to do is to believe in the one that God sent. If we believe in Jesus Christ, then that is the very beginning of your transformation process. It's when you believe in Jesus and you don't believe in yourself. I'm not believing in my own ability to create my own salvation. Anybody here think you could jump across the Grand Canyon? It doesn't matter if you can go 99%, which you couldn't, but even if you could, you'd still die. <laughs> you think you can jump across the Grand Canyon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. He said, I can't, but I think I can. So if you think you can, that's, that's our big problem, is that we think 
we can bring forth acts of righteousness that will change God's opinion about us. Wrong. You can't. Now, we can obey God, and God does appreciate and love our obedience, right? He really does. And, and when somebody gets in line, and, they're, and it, but you're allowing God to flow through you, you're letting the life of Christ to flow through you, then you're not doing something for God. You're allowing God to do something through you. Then all the works that you might do in this world that might look like while wow, he's doing his acts of righteousness to please God, Really, it's just God doing his acts of righteousness through you. And you're just a sap-filled flower, and you look awesome because the sap of God, the life of God is flowing through you, and it keeps creating good works. It, cre it keeps creating amazing things. It keeps doing things that are transformative um, and, you know, you're bringing miracles into the earth. You're, bringing, you're walking around and you're being a, like a, a peace bringer, a joy bringer. You bring love wherever you go. You're just an emissary of goodness. <sighs> you know what? If it's real easy to be around you and people just seem to enjoy it, they just seem to sit down and relax when they're around you, if your kids find that, that you are a refuge and they, they just love to come and sit down and talk, that's awesome. That's the place to be because that means you are making room for them. And, and, and this could be employees, this could be anything, but you're making room for them. And as you're making, and, and, and emotionally, you're creating an atmosphere, an emotional atmosphere where they feel uncondemned and accepted and loved and they can be themselves. They don't have to put on a show. They don't have to do anything. They just have to relax, just relax. Be yourself, enjoy yourself. We stayed in this home while I was in Santa Barbara. And when I got there, the husband and the wife, uh, they said, listen, please just make this home your own. If you need anything in the refrigerator, here, you know, here's everything. Here's where everything is. Here's how the water works. Here's this. Here's where the trash is. The bathroom's over here. The, just please act like this is your home. Man, what a blessing that they create an atmosphere in which I truly was able to sleep immediately when I got there. It was a great environment, wonderful environment. Well, do you, what is the... You remember Pigpen from uh, Charlie Brown, right? Pigpen, the uh, little cartoon character. He always had a cloud of dirt around him. No matter where he went, there was a cloud of dirt around him. So anybody who came within that cloud, they're getting dirty too, right? What's your cloud? What does your cloud look like? What does your presence bring? Uh, how do people feel? when they're around you? Do they feel loved, accepted, or do they feel afraid that you're gonna condemn them? Do they feel afraid that you're gonna pick out something else that they did wrong? Are they, gonna, are, are they concerned, is the first thing out of your mouth a criticism or a correction? Or is the first thing out of your mouth love and encouragement? 
Do they have to go like this every time you're near? You know, putting up the shield, you know, have their hands up, make sure they don't get hit. Have you ever seen a dog who's been beaten and you raise your hand and all of a sudden the dog freaks out like he, he runs from you? And all you did was lifting up your hand to pet it. Not me, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually pet a dog this week without, without being asked, <laughs> which as you know, is a big deal for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it came up and just rested its head right on my leg while I was studying. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was big enough. I wasn't going to fight with it about it. <laughs> but... Uh, why that dog? I mean, it came back to me like three times and just set its head right on my, right on my leg. Just sit there. Now, why? I don't like dogs. Okay, <laughs> okay. And but that thing, I I was bringing peace though. And I do believe, you know, like they say, if my dog don't like you, I for sure don't like you. You know, <laughs> because what, they're afraid. You know, they. Sometimes they're a better judge of character, right? Um, what is your cloud, like pig pen? What do you emanate? Do people feel loved and accepted? Are people finding Jesus when they come to you? When they meet you, are they finding their maker? Do they find a aspect or some demonstration of his love? Do they find that? Or do, they, or, or do they feel shut out? Well, no sense in trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to wake us up to it. So if changes need to be made, let's find out how to make the changes. Um, so the need for personal transformation as a parent. <clears throat> so here... In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, let me start with some encouragement. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, God started, when you got born again, God started a good work in you. Thank God. Okay? Um, so maybe when you were, before you got born again, you were mean as a snake. And then after you got born again, you were maybe mean as a, I don't know, a smaller snake, <laughs> garter snake. <laughs> but some transformation happened. Some stinger got taken out of you. So it's, it, it's not as painful to be around you as it might have been. Well, praise the Lord, that means we're on our way. But it says here in, in Philippians 1, 6, it says we are confident of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you is going to finish it. Jesus started a good work in you, but it's not done yet. Now, in Romans chapter 12, it says that um, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Well, how, do you want, how are you going to get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. How are we going to get transformed? It's going to be by the renewing of our minds, okay? It says um, in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, God's transformation in you happens as our minds are transformed by the word of God. Now, memorizing scripture is wonderful. Love it. Really love it. But inherently and by itself, that will not transform you. Okay? Memorization of scripture is wonderful, but memorizing it is like buying, going out and buying the food. Meditation is eating it. Memorizing it is just putting it up here in your brain. Wonderful. It is really, really awesome. And I do. I love memorizing scripture. Okay? But getting it into your heart is where the transformation begins to happen. So we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, if I was just talking about our brain, and, and you put data, you put data, information, and learned relationships and all, all kinds of things up into your brain, that's great. Um, I've talked to you about how I love rabbit trails. You know why I love rabbit trails? Is because intelligence is determined by the number of um, correlations one can make with one, with one body of knowledge. You have one fact right here. And how many other places can you connect that one fact to? All of that correlation, that's called intelligence. So rabbit trails, hopefully, will make the connection of all of the, to all of these different things. So that, and that's why I love rabbit trails, because I know I'm, really I'm creating a string from this fact or body of knowledge over to this other thing that you already know, which probably will make it easier for you to understand and to really get this down into your heart. So all of those correlations, the number of correlations you have from one fact to all the other facts is really where your intelligence comes from, okay? Because you could know uh, two plus two is four, but you have zero ways to apply it anywhere. I mean, if I hand it, here's, here's two, and here's two, that's four. But somebody without intelligence would say, that's not four, because these are different color. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. So you see what I'm saying? And, and, and you can, but as you begin to help people to make correlations, from one body of knowledge to all different types of things, all these connections, that's, that's intelligence. And intelligence is good. Intelligence is a gift from God. All right? So from there, though, we learn principles. And probably one of the reasons you are here tonight and listen is because I make a lot of connections from like one scripture and then I'll connect it here, I'll connect it here and I'll tell a story and I'll try to tell stories or, you know, if I can, that connect these things or give an illustration so that you have something visual in your brain to connect it with. And the more of that that you have, 
the more usable that scripture becomes in your life. Okay? So then, as if I'm, if I'm able to take one scripture and make 15 connections with it, you go home, you're going to continue the process, and then you're going to go up to 20 connections and 50 connections. Because I started the process of you connecting the dots or making a connection from that body of knowledge or scripture verse or statement or something like that. That's where intelligence comes from. So learning how to apply all of these things, that's what the process is in preaching. You're helping them to apply the word of God in various places and make it work, right? Um, So the thing is, we are literally transformed or we literally go through our metamorphosis. We all want to stop being a worm and start being a butterfly, okay? Butterflies are a lot prettier and they can fly a lot farther, right? And so um, we really are God's beautiful design if we are transformed by the word. Um. You know, as I was out in California, Jason, who was Mark's pastor uh, out there in, in California, he said, as he was introducing me, he said, um, you know, we have Mark here as our, you know, one of the pastors at the church, you know, the worship pastor. And he said, Mark Barlow is, uh, he said something like, he's the highest form of human that I know, you know? He said, I've never met somebody like Mark Barlow. And he said, so Joe and his wife raised him. So we welcome Joe. You know, so the door was wide open for us because Mark was being just so loving. And so, and he, the pastor kept talking. He said, when your son, when we talk to your son, he looks right in our eyes. And we're the only people, we're the only person on the planet. When he's when he's when we're talking to him, he's not he's not distracted by anything. He's zeroed right on right on me, and he pays attention. And he's very present, and that kind of blows him away that somebody could be like that. How could you do that? Well, so because Mark has let, allowed himself to be transformed, it opened the door for me to come in and preach. All right. Uh, which is amazing. Uh, We have a responsibility to allow the life of God to transform us, to allow the word of God to transform us. And I will tell you that it really is only the word of God that's going to truly transform you. And um, so let's allow, let's get on board with this. Let's get on the mind renewal transformation. Let's get on that train. Let's get on board with it and let's allow God to have his perfect work in us. Because if you're going to be a good parent, you better be a good Christian. If you're going to be a good boss, you better be a good Christian. If you're going to be a good Christian, you better be a good Christian. (laughs) Okay? Allow the life of God to transform you. Allow the word of God to transform you. Well, first of all, if you're going to allow the word of God to transform you, you're actually going to have to spend some time in the Word. <gasps> has it come to that? <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> believe it or not, can you believe it? You're actually going to have to. 
well, but didn't Jesus save us? And, you know, he did all the work. He did all of his work. He did all of his work. He didn't do yours, though. So there is a work yet to be done, and there is some mining in the Word of God. Now, I do want to encourage you. Now, I love working in my, uh, on my computer because I have like eSword set up on here. And um, I love how it works. It really, really works for me. But when I sit down with my Bible, okay, when I just take the scriptures in hand and make sure you have good lighting and have reading glasses if you need them, right? <laughs> <clears throat> which I was in denial for a while. And, uh, and, uh, but I also found out what a difference a good light makes. And you just spend time in the paper Bible. When you fellowship with God over this, he can take you so many places. Even if you just open your Bible and, ah, look at that. I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden God starts talking to you. Um, you know, I, I'm not... I don't want to preach to you how to play Bible bingo, but I've had it happen too many times where the, an angel was right there bringing me to a specific scripture. It has happened so, I would say, literally hundreds of times it has happened and been extraordinarily meaningful, <clears throat> extraordinarily powerful, and I'm thankful so, do I believe that the Holy Ghost could get you to open your Bible at a certain place? 100% I believe it. 100%. And um, now I saw this movie. Nancy and I watched this movie. It was, uh, we got the movie from, uh, from Marie. Uh, it was called Bad Little Angel. And this little, it's an old 40s movie, I think. And this little girl, when she wanted to hear from God, she said, she said, Lord, I ask you to talk to me. She would open the Bible and then she would go like this and, you know, she would read what it said. And it was funny because it, it led her in some wild places. And uh, one of the places it said, go to Babylon. And so she it was like, she was in Pennsylvania. It was go to Babylon, Pennsylvania. So she got on the, she got on the train and went to Babylon, Pennsylvania. And uh, it, was, it was just funny that miracle after miracle happened. In this, it was beautiful. Um, now, I, I'm not necessarily, but the thing is, you know, if you start doing that all the time, you know, the devil can play in that playground and you want to be careful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Judas went out and hanged himself, and then the other scripture says, Go thou and do, well, do likewise. <laughs> so you want to be careful. Uh, <clears throat> but but I'll tell you this, as you just sit and fellowship with God in the word, just sit and fellowship with God. You're not, and if you're on a reading plan, go ahead and do your reading plan. But guess what? That's work. I'm not talking about working. I'm talking about you enjoying a friend, sitting with your Bible, enjoying your friend. Now, your friend is the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself is the Logos. And the job of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 16, is to reveal more and more of God to you. I'll take it. Sign me up. I, I'll, I'll, I want in that program, right? Go ahead, Raj. Hey, hey, 
Yeah. Yeah, if you're on a reading plan, read until you, f- you feel like you need to highlight something. Then stop right there because that's your feeding place. When you, when you need to sit and, and just highlight it and like, okay, what, what are you saying to me? And, and ask, how does this apply to my life? You know, it's a beautiful thing. But I'm telling you, the word of God is what will transform you. How do you become a better parent? How do you become a better boss? The word of God will transform you. How can I become a better pastor? The word of God will transform you. Metamorphosis into the butterfly from the worm to the butterfly. You know, some people are still in the worm stage and you can tell it. Just saying, you know they are. And it's like, and that's why, that's one of the reasons that one of my very deep passions is that people would grow up. <laughs> That's a real driver in my life. Why? Because I believe it's God's heart that people would grow. Because when they start growing up and the fruit starts coming out, like the testimony from Mark's pastor talking about Mark, he said, basically, this kid's amazing. And we don't, we've never met anybody like this. And uh, so, you know, Pastor Joe, whatever you want to say, go ahead and say it. (laughs) Just go ahead, take the pulpit, and we're ready to hear whatever you got to say. You teach us, because obviously you got something going on. So let's, um, let's continue to subject ourselves to the Word of God, because it will shine light on you. It will shine light on your thinking. It will shine light on... Um, your words, oh boy, it'll shine light on all of your actions. So it'll become clear whether what you're doing is right or wrong. So everybody say, stop that. that. So let's say it again. Stop Stop that. Okay. So sometimes you just need to hear yourself say it. Sometimes you need to hear a father or somebody in authority tell you, hey, stop that. Right. And, uh, Because once you hear that, it seizes something in your soul. You're like, oh boy, I better stop that. (laughs) You know, and there is a voice of authority which will help you to stop certain behavior, right? Some people, you tell them not to touch the hot stove. They go ahead and touch it. Tell them, hey, don't do that. And sometimes they don't learn and they just go ahead and put their hand right on it and they're burning themselves. And they've gone beyond sensitivity and they're touching something they better let go of and they don't know it. They've lost sensitivity. The scripture says, it's as if their consciences are seared as with a hot iron. Well, when you're seared with a hot iron, you don't, all the nerves are dead. You don't have sensitivity. So sometimes you still need to hear somebody say, hey, stop that. Because you need something to seize your soul and grab a hold of you and say, hey, okay, all right. And listen, God's willing to rescue you. He's willing to rescue you. Hallelujah. He's very good. All right, let me keep going here. Um, Paul says in Galatians 4, 19, he says, my My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. 
Now, wait a second. I thought Galatians 2.20 says that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's true. When are you going to start letting him out? Amen? You got him chained up there, pretty deep in the dungeon. You need to let the Holy Ghost out to play through you. You need to let him live. You know, I actually, I literally had a vision one day when I was just in prayer and I saw this big old castle um, dungeon. Had these big blocks, you know, like that you would build a castle with down there in the dungeon. And I saw this one leg sticking out with a chain on it from behind a, from behind a, one of these big stones. You could see a little bit of light coming in from the window. I'm like, who's that? It's like, that's the Holy Ghost chained up in your life. Really? <laughs> come on out. I want, you, I want you free. I want you to come out and play. Come out and live. Come live in me. Don't be chained up in me. Holy Spirit, you've got freedom to be you in me. See what I'm saying? We got to let him out of his chains so that he can do what he wants to do. But it says in the Old Testament, it says, but they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can a man limit God? Well, you didn't get born again until you gave God permission. You're the one who decided when you got born again. God was drawing. Come on, come on, come on. But it wasn't in you until you said yes. That's when he was able to have his way. Does this make sense in your heart? Okay. So Paul was praying. He says, I'm praying like I'm laboring in childbirth. Ladies, any ladies who are mothers here, that makes sense to you. And maybe some men who've seen a woman give birth. So I was there for all seven. And uh, she's a strong woman, I can guarantee you. <laughs> um, but laboring until Christ be formed in you. Laboring in prayer. Laboring in the ministry of the word until Christ is formed in you. You know what the product of a church is? People. Mature Christians. That's the product of a church. When the people grow up and they start acting like Jesus, and where, when they go out, you know, people are healed and people are ministered to and the peace of God comes and then there's blessings wherever they go and they meet people's needs and things are just happening all over the place. Yeah, that's really sweet. I love it. The product of a church is Christians. Just like I told you, we're not raising children. We are raising adults. Problem is, some people thought they were raising children and they've succeeded at it. And they're still living in their basement <laughs> when they're 35 years old, you know? It's like, no condemnation, but um, we got a little work to do. We got to grow. Got to allow Christ to be formed in us. We got to let the Holy Spirit do the work he wants to do in us. It says in John chapter 16 that uh, he said, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he will reveal to, or he will remind you of everything I've said to you. 
and he will lead you into all truth. Well, that means the Holy Spirit is the one who's gonna come in and lead you into true mind renewal. If you allow the Holy Spirit to orchestrate your mind renewal, you will end up transformed. If you allow the Holy Spirit to orchestrate your mind renewal, you will end up mature and you will end up transformed. And people will be in awe of you. Like, where are you from? This one brother I was talking to, just trying to help him, and he said, he said, yeah, but you, he said, you're weird, or, or, or you're, he said, you're like Superman, there's no, nobody like you. you, what are you talking about? He said, you just live in a different, you know, you're in a different plane than I've ever met. And uh, he, so what I was doing just seemed inaccessible to him. Well, I don't want that. I want people to see that, hey, I got, I got faults, I got difficulties. Um, but I am not willing to lose. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not willing to lose. I hope that's okay with you, but I'm not willing to lose. I don't believe I have to lose. You know, when somebody says, oh yeah, you know, you got to lose, you'll probably end up losing one of your kids. No, I will not. I will not. I will not. We will not. I refuse. I will not. I believe my God is stronger than any of that. I believe my God is stronger than any of that. We will not lose one of our children. Amen? You, you understand? Amen. There's absolutely no way. There's no way. Not a chance. We are victorious. And that's where I'm going to stay. And if you think I'm dreaming, don't wake me up. Amen? Because it's working for me and I'm not willing to change, amen? And I would invite you onto this boat. The Holy Ghost, if he is in charge of transforming you, then you will be transformed. Now, somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, could you pray for me for wisdom? And I said, you know, I just recently changed my idea about that prayer, you know, because it says in, in James chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, pray that God, you know, pray for wisdom, ask, ask God. He gives up, he gives um, without finding fault. He's not gonna say, well, you know, you stole that candy bar last week. I ain't gonna give you any wisdom. He, he won't do that. It says he upbraideth not. He is not gonna bring correction when you're asking for wisdom, okay? So, and I don't mean he won't bring correction. I, I'm saying he won't bring accusation, okay? Make sense? All right. So I said, I just changed the way I thought about that. And I said, instead of asking for yes or no on a topic, now I'm asking him just to simply convince me. Which way is right? Convince me. Because if he convinces me, he's not just telling me yes or no, he's helping me to line everything within me up with that truth. And all of a sudden, I can't see it any other way but that one direction. Because he has lined me up internally, fully, and convinced me that that way is right. So I would encourage you, when you're asking God for wisdom, don't ask him for a yes or no, unless you need one real quick, which you might. But 
when it's a larger situation, just say, Lord, I ask you to convince me what your will is. Convince me of the truth in this. Is this helping you? Okay. All right, so Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, or as God's holy children, holy and dearly loved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also uh, so you also must do. Let me read this in the NIV, which I kind of like a little bit better. That's where we had our kids uh, memorize this passage. It was Colossians. Colosseans. Colossians 3.12. And I'll go to the NIV. Okay, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves... Everybody say yourselves. So if this is telling you to clothe yourselves, that means you can clothe yourself. And that means that this is a decision that you can make on the outside because clothing belongs on the outside. This is not an internal work. This is an outside work. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Put it on like a garment. All right, Lord, I need to be compassionate today. Show me how to do that. Well, Jesus was moved with compassion and he went and healed the multitude. Okay. Um, there's situations I, I've been moved with compassion and gone and just prayed for somebody, laid hands on them and, and uh, things happened. Things changed in their life. Um, other times I was moved with compassion. I gave somebody some money, okay? I was moved with compassion and I picked somebody up on the side of the road and drove them home, even though it was miles out of my way, okay? So if you're moved with compassion, you're being like Jesus. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, wait a second. Didn't God put these things on the inside of us? Yes, but are you letting them out? I mean, for real. Are we letting them out? These are the fruits of the Spirit, right? Or the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So you've got these nine fruit of the Spirit, and everything that I'm saying here falls in line with those nine fruit of the Spirit. But here Paul's using a different metaphor and saying, clothe yourselves with these things. Well, why isn't he teaching us, hey, listen, guys, this stuff's already in you. Would you start acting like what's already in you? Because if you act like how your spirit acts, you're going to be walking correctly. You're going to do it right. But here, he's just giving you a different metaphor. Listen, just put this stuff on like clothing. Okay, I'm going to wear my hat today. I'm going to wear my, uh, I'm going to wear a jacket. You know, you decide every day what you're going to wear. You always do. Every day you decide. So decide to put on 
Compassion. All you're doing is doing an outward behavior that already lines up with who you truly are on the inside. You truly are a compassionate person. You truly are already a compassionate person. You're just not acting like it yet. But if you have that now on the inside of you and you start acting like it on the outside, something's going to be in line. All of a sudden, there's a connection between your, your body or your soul and your spirit. There's a unity that all of a sudden happens because you're starting to act like who you truly are. You ever seen those Snickers commercials where, boy, you just aren't acting like yourself and they take a bite of a Snickers bar and all of a sudden they change into a different person, right? Ah, there you are. <laughs> you know, they're... <laughs> well, if you're not acting compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, you ain't looking like yourself today. It goes back to that. I, I keep thinking about that one thing this guy, this, uh, this preacher named Mark Hankins said. He goes, he said, some guy said, I'm a self-made man. He said, what'd you make yourself so ugly for? <laughs> well, if you're a self-made man, I mean, I, I got no use for that. I got no use for that. Unless you want to let Christ recreate you. Let's, let's, get, let's get busy with being like Jesus instead of getting busy like being like who you think you're supposed to be. Let's get busy being like Jesus. So let's clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances that you have against each other. Uh, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. Uh-oh. Forgive as the Lord forgave you? Really? I mean, that, don't you think that's a little difficult? Because you know the price Jesus paid to forgive you? He laid down his life. Okay, so forgive as the Lord forgave you. Dear God, what are you asking me to do? Well, don't hold back anything when it comes to forgiveness. Well, how do you keep him from walking all over you? Well, who said you're supposed to do that? Okay, now, now, if you're in a situation where somebody's beating you, get out, please, just leave, get out of there. Run from that, okay? You're not safe, get out of the situation. You understand that? So don't hang around when you're getting beat up. Just don't hang around. <clears throat> but when somebody is being harsh with you, they're not lining up with this. That doesn't mean you're supposed to be the one to tell them. There could be something going on that is really bothering them and you don't know what the seed is. Everybody say seed. seed. There's a seed when somebody is being brutal or angry or bitter or something's triggering them, there's a lie in their heart. If somebody blows up at you, and you don't see Christ in their behavior, there's a seed in them which is a lie. And they're believing a lie. Do you know when somebody's yelling at you, they're not believing in Jesus? Come on, let me, let me. 
if they're if they're yelling at you to get you to modify your behavior, <coughs> if they're yelling at you to get you to modify your behavior, and the same goes with parents yelling at your children to modify their behavior, they're not believing God. When they're yelling at you, they're not believing God. They're believing in their own ability to change you. They're believing in their own manipulative strength to change you. Is this okay? I hope I'm not stepping. It might hurt a little bit. You're going to feel a little pressure. <laughs> a little pain there. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. All right. So if you're, if, you're, if you're yelling, you're not believing in Jesus. You're believing in your own ability and your own force to change someone. And so if you're yelling, you need to repent of your unbelief and recenter back on Jesus and say, okay, Lord, they're not my responsibility, they're yours. So if you wanna get, get along, Lord, you know, kind of move that behavior modification with them a little quicker, that would help me. However, they're no longer my responsibility because it's, when you're yelling at somebody, you believe it's your responsibility completely and it's not God's and you need to repent of that. You need to say, Lord, I'm giving this over to you. This person is your responsibility, and I yield my authority over to you. Lord, the, the responsibility to change them is on you. It's not on me. Even on your children. Your responsibility is not to change them. Your responsibility is to love them. It's to nurture them, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, of course, there's correction, but the ultimate outcome is God. Now you can keep pressure on God through your faith and say, I'm not gonna lose one of these babies. Not one of them. Every single one of them is gonna be an absolute blessing to whoever they meet. You know, it's one thing for your children to be a blessing to you. You ever heard of they have a face that only a mother could love? <laughs> right? It's easy for a mother to love. However, are your children a blessing to others? That's the key. That's, that's when it's real. That's when it's like, it's actually affecting other people, okay? But your responsibility is to just love and nurture, love and nurture, and correct, love and nurture and correct. But the responsibility is on God. You need to yield that back to God. Say, God, I'm sorry for, Sorry for seizing the reins here, but I yield to you now. Do you know, um, I love the picture of a um, Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know the short little arms that he couldn't even get anything to his mouth? His, you know, the scripture says that the Lord's arms are not too short to save you. A Tyrannosaurus Rex's arms are too short to save you but God's arms are not too short to save you. However, there are times when we make God's arms shorter. We limit the Holy One of Israel. You know how we do that? When we take over, when we say, I got this Lord, I'll yell at them. I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'll be in charge of the behavior modification on this one. I got this, Lord. You don't need to get involved. I'll be done in a few minutes. 
and then you tear them apart. Is this making sense? That's when God's arms are about as long as a, that's when God's arms are about as long as a uh, Tyrannus, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, an alligator, right, exactly. He can't do nothing with these things. That's when God's arms are short. He can't do anything when you're in charge. When you're in charge of other people's behavior modification, God's arms are short. And you know what? He'll sit back and say, let me know when you're done. Let me know when you're done. Because I'm not going to do anything until you're done. He will stand down. He will stand out of the way. He will not get involved. He'll let you make an absolute mess, literal mess of things. He will let you destroy your home. You know God will let you do that? Because it's your prerogative of how you want things to go. He, you know, the scripture says that the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish woman tears hers down. Well, God, why don't you stop her? He's like, why don't you stop her? <laughs> I ain't getting in her way. <laughs> God himself saying, I ain't going to get in there. I'm not messing with that. I'm not going to get in her way. He will wait until you enter into faith. If you're, uh, uh, ladies, if you're trying to change your husband, good luck with that. I won't say God bless you, I'll just say good luck because I don't believe in luck, all right? <laughs> if you're trying to change your husband, you better let go of that because God can't do anything as long as you're in charge. You need to let God handle it and you just love. You do what God would have you do. You are responsible to act like God, not the devil. And if you think that acting like the devil is gonna make him more godly, I don't know where you got that recipe, but I guarantee it doesn't work. I should say that one again. Should I say that one again? <clears throat> if you think that you can make your husband more godly by acting like the devil, I don't know where you got that recipe, but it does not work. There's only one way to make your husband more godly, and that's for you to be more godly. And the only way for you to make your children more godly is not by acting like the devil. It's by acting godly. I hope this is helping you, okay? And I'm really sorry if I'm, well, I'm not really sorry, but you know, I feel sorry for your toes if I've stepped on them. <laughs> but God will heal your toes, right? I'll tell you though, this correction we need, we all need this correction. We all need this correction. It says in verse uh, Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen. You ever, gentlemen, you ever wear a cummerbund, you know, on a tuxedo? You have to wear that cummerbund. Thank God it holds your belly in a little bit. And uh, <laughs> if, you wear it high enough, if you wear it high enough, yeah, you get one made out of leather or something. <laughs> but over all these virtues, put on love, which binds it all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a big problem right there. That's a big problem. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
Who is in charge of your heart? You are. And if you keep trying to be in charge of your own heart, you're trying to rule your heart. But the Bible says, let peace be the ruler. So imagine peace with a police officer's outfit on and he's, or, or a king's crown on in your heart. Let peace itself be in charge. Let it rule. Well, what's, how's peace going to rule? Well, if you get super upset about something, peace, the crown just fell off of peace's head. It's no longer ruler. You're about to be ruler and you're about to seize control. Amen? But let peace rule. And if peace rules in your heart, then you can be in a situation and something that normally would have upset you, all of a sudden, you're letting peace rule your heart. And so it doesn't have to upset you. And you can just say, okay, what do we need to do right now? How can I help? And you move to how can I help instead of what did you do that for, you idiot? What did you do that for? You, you, you know, that's, that's not letting peace rule. Peace, when peace is in charge, you're going to act like Jesus, not the devil. Dear God, I'm so guilty, okay? As I'm sure we all are. We think that acting like the devil is going to make people more godly. It does not. It teaches them how to be manipulative and controlling. That's what we teach people when we are dominating them with, with anger. It, it's, we're teaching them how to dominate others with anger. Oh, this is how it works. Look at the results daddy got when he yelled. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look at the results. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that sometimes, hey, I have to raise my voice. You got, a, you got a room full of kids that are all noisy and you need to get their attention? You lift up your voice and, and it's not out of anger. You just, hey, let me have your attention, please. You know? Um, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, we, but we have to have, but it's got to be the peace. When we let peace, you know, we got to let peace rule in us. So, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Wow. You know, when you have a very difficult situation, let's say you just got some negative news. Do you know that thankfulness works? What? Let's say you got, just got some terrible news and you're wondering how to handle your emotions and you don't know what to do. Did you know that joy works? Thankfulness works? That'll keep your head above water because you know you could drown in negative emotions. But thankfulness will get you out of it. Joy will get, it says count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. James chapter one. Well, did you know that joy can rescue you out of severe depression? And that's the truth. All right. Um, and it says in uh, Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means spend time in the word and let it just keep filling you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
singing uh, to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, if you think that children should obey their parents, but husbands should be, are okay, it's okay for husbands to be harsh with their wives, just read it. It's not okay for husbands to be harsh with their wives. It's not okay for wives to think that, you know, they should just be in charge of everything and dominate over the husband. That's not of God, okay? As much as the wife might want the children to obey, well, you better balance out that wife submit your husband thing, you know, because there's, if you want to bring them under that, you got to get under that. Husbands, don't be harsh. You got to get, if you want your children to obey, husbands, get under the word. Let it, let it transform you, okay? And don't be harsh. Wives, yield to that husband, right? There's, there's a grace from God to do it. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, or in our modern situation, you could say employees, okay? I've seen most of these scriptures work for that. So employees, obey your earthly bosses in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their, their favor, but with the sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Now, we started at verse 12 there, okay? But I want to bounce back all the way to verse 1, okay? And, and take a, uh, a swing again at this chapter, but starting in verse 1. Not the whole chapter. I just want to go up to verse 12 or 13. Verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts or affections on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Tonight we're talking about, parents, you need to be we need to be transformed in order that we may be a godly example to our children, right? Uh, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So realizing that, hey, you think you have a lot, of, a lot at stake in your family? Don't forget you're already dead. It says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Okay? So, remember, dead men can't be tempted. Did you know that? If you had a guy with a serious problem with, with uh, lust for money, you can go up to his casket at his wake and wave thousands of dollars right in front of his face. He can't be tempted because he's dead. So, if you realize you're dead and that your life is now hidden with Christ in God, you can't be tempted. Realize you're dead. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Did you know that greed is idolatry? Did you know that everything else on that list is idolatry? Sexual immorality is idolatry. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, they're all idolatry. Did you know that? An idol is something that takes the place of God in your life, and you serve it. You, did you know you serve it and you work for your idols? Did you know that? That's why God says don't have any idols. Just keep God in, keep God in the top spot in your heart. Because of these, idol, uh, the idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Well, let me ask a question. Because of these, here, Paul's talking in the New Testament. This is part of the Pauline revelation. I need your attention real quick. This is part of the Pauline revelation. This is after the cross. This is part of the new man. This is after God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. Where is this wrath coming from that he's talking about here? When people don't accept, they're only saved from the wrath when they accept Jesus. But it says the wrath is still coming, okay? There is, according to the, this, wrath is, there is still wrath coming, okay? But we escape it by hiding inside of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll take it. I'm going to stay right in, I'm going to tuck myself right up inside of Jesus. Amen? It says, you used to walk in, the, in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Oh, dear God. I hope that's not you. But if it is, dump it. That is not serving you well. But now you also must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. If you're keeping a record of wrongs against your child or against your spouse, dump it, get rid of it. Because as long as you keep that list of wrongs against them, you can only birth hell into your home. You can't birth forgiveness. You can't birth godliness. You can't birth heaven. When you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, drop the list. Get rid of all this. This anger you have against your spouse, get rid of it. Because you can only bring hell into the home as long as you're holding on to anger, rage, malice. You can only bring hell. You cannot bring heaven. You must forgive. You must forgive. That's the only way to bring heaven into the earth is through forgiveness. That's the only, you cannot, you cannot bring heaven. You're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's like, sorry, I can't. What? What do you mean you can't? Yeah, I can't because you're bringing hell into the house. Is this okay? Are you, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you, by the way. <laughs> Okay, bear with each other. Let's see. 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Did you know if you lie to someone, you are not trusting in Jesus? You are literally trusting in the process of lies, which means you're trusting in the father of lies. Don't bother. It's not worth lying. It really is not, okay? Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Did you know your new self is being renewed in knowledge in the image of your creator? Your new man is being renewed in knowledge in the image of your creator. That would be a good thing for you to grab a hold on to. Colossians 3.10, it'd be a good one for you to hang on to because it says the way you are being renewed is through knowledge and in the image of your creator. That's how you're coming into the image of your creator. That's how people are gonna see Christ in you is as you, your mind is renewed in the knowledge of God. Um, here there is no Gentile or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you understand what we've been sharing tonight? This is God's word to us. And that the transforming power of the gospel literally is the gospel. It's the word of God. The word of God will transform you. But it's, and you know, the scripture says in John chapter eight, it says, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, don't forget, it's only the truth you know that's gonna make you free. Because this, this book is full of truth and you could, you could tuck this thing under your pillow and nothing will happen. Except you might get a neck ache. Nothing will happen until you get this open and you begin to commune and fellowship with God in the word and you begin to listen to teaching. One day, I was uh, driving to work one morning and, uh, and the Lord said, you need to change your diet. I said, okay, give me a list. And I knew he meant my diet of who, who I was listening to. Who, what were the teachers that I was listening to? And so I asked him, all right, give me a list. And so he named, he named like five different preachers. So I just went and grabbed all their YouTube videos and I just started listening. Because he said, you need to change your diet. Well, I knew when it was time for me to get under Pastor Winston, when I left Praise Fellowship and we went and did home church for five months. By the way, this week is our, the 11th is our 15 year anniversary. Of, uh, of family life, being a church. Praise the Lord. It happened on June 11th was when I announced we are no longer Praise Fellowship Church. We are this, this, new, this new church. We were called Empower at first, but um, 
Praise God. We need to be transformed. The power of God is available for you and I. The word of God is what we need. We need to fellowship with God over the word. The word will transform us and we will grow up. And we will be transformed as we look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, right? And let the word of God fix us, heal us, change us. That's how we will enter in uh, and become more. That's, see, it's the, it's the personal transformation that's going to make you a better parent or friend or spouse. It's the personal transformation. <clears throat> we could give you rules all day long. You could go take hundreds of parenting classes. We'll tell you all kinds of rules which you should implement with the raising of your children. But there is nothing as powerful as what you heard tonight. Nothing. Because you are the absolute best example of a, of a Christian that your, that your children will ever know. You are the one they will imitate more than anything. No matter how much you teach them, more is caught than taught, and they will follow your life. Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our partners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God in journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.